Blog Talk Radio. He's a man who's going to tell you like it is. You can never be afraid of something that you don't know about. Now that's ignorance. And for us, ignorance is not bliss. He's a man who's not afraid to talk about the real issues and not skate around it. Don't you think it's about time that you got tired of where you are? I mean, you have got to be ready for God to do something for you and let him move. He's a man who loves his God, his country, and his people. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not too fond of the political state of the world, and particularly the U.S. as it is right now. But if you want change, you have to make it happen. You can't keep settling for less than what you ought to have. He's a man who's sowing seeds of life, love, and liberation to anybody who's willing to hear. There comes a point in time where everybody just needs to shut their mouth up and listen to God. And God is the one who will lead us, and God is in all truth. He'll tell us everything we need. That covers every area, every facet, from politics to church to you name it. God's got it covered. He's a man that seeks the heart of God for the people of God. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal, hailing from Cajun Land, USA, here to present you with seeds of wisdom, insight, liberation, and liberation, and whatever else I can think of. <laughs> it's early in the morning, guys. I'm, it's cold. It's cold. That's all I'm going to say. But uh, we're also here to present you with uh, knowledge, a promoter knowledge that's engaging and transforming, and we want to empower you, our listeners. In this cold, cold day to knowing, being, doing, and impacting the world around you. As always, you're welcome to join us on this illuminating journey. Several ways you can do it. Primary way is by calling. Uh, we do have a chat line open, 347-237-5230. That's the number to call if you want to get your thoughts, insights, commentary, Whatever it may be on the air, you can do that. Um, chat room is available. It's open so you can get in on the chat room and um, share thoughts there. You can also hit us up on email at PastorLorenzoNeal uh, at gmail.com. That's one way you can do it. Uh, go to our website, our Facebook page. The Facebook page is Zero Network. Go there, like the page, and listen to past archive shows. You can do that. And however else we're there, we are here. We are here. We're grateful for another day, another cold day. But, hey, it's another day. I have no complaints, and I hope you don't either. We're glad to be on the air this morning. We've got a lot of things we're going to try to do in this uh, short amount of time that we have with you, of course. We're going to talk about the fallout that's come from uh, the Andrew Caldwell video, the viral video of him claiming deliverance. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about some. Um, how can you discern when you're being, you're, when there's a scam going on in the church, when when there's a con going on in the church? Can you discern that? Can you figure out? When, do you know when the preacher or the deacons or anybody's trying to get over on you? All right, we're going to talk about that too. How can you figure that out? How can you be proactive in protecting yourself against church scams and Believe me, there are plenty going on to that. So those are the two things we're going to talk about, and I'm glad that you joined with us. Let's go to the Lord in prayer real quick. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for opportunity to just to be in your presence. We thank you, Lord God, for another way, another time, um, another opportunity to be on this broadcast. Let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight, Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Well, I'm glad to be here. Like I said, it's cold, and I'm, I'm not going to complain. I know a lot of people aren't complaining, but uh, the reality is 
if 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 we could if we could if we could get away with staying in the summertime all the time, you know, or at springtime all the time, I think we'd be happy. I know I'd be happy. <laughs> so it is what it is. And um all I can say is I I I'm gonna bear and do it. But it's just it's just the fact that it's early. I mean, it's not winter. It's not, it, it, you know, this kind of weather, uh, well, I can't say I haven't been in this kind of weather before this early. I remember uh, when I was in college my freshman year, and homecoming that year, it was so freaking cold. We, uh, and I was in the marching band, you know, all we had was our little wool uniforms, and it was so cold. All we could do, we played the first half of the game. We did the halftime show. I warmed up a little bit, and then we played, I think, for a little bit after the after the game. But then our, our instruments started to freeze. I mean, that's how bad it was. My co- my hands were cold. Long story short, we ended up leaving. That's about as cold as I've gotten, you know. Uh, and in South Louisiana, it doesn't get really cold. It doesn't get cold till right before Mardi Gras or right after Mardi Gras. That's when it get cold. You know, and that little span between the, the latter part of January and the early part of March, that's when it's good. That's that's the cold that's the coldest it gets. You know, we know it's gonna get down to like forty or thirty during that time. And since I've been here in Mississippi last year was I mean I didn't even, I wasn't even fully prepared. I had to go buy me some more winter clothes because that's how unprepared I was. You know, it hit hard, man. It hit hard, but anyway, God be praised. Uh, there's a there's a video that's been going viral uh, the last couple of days, and it comes from um, out of church in Atlanta, the Greater Travers Rest uh, Baptist Church that is headed up by uh, Pastor E. Dewey Smith, wonderful preacher, prognosticator, pastor uh, extraordinaire. Um, and what makes this video what 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 has made it go viral is the content. Apparently, this church uh, likes celebrations, and uh, Pastor Dewey, he's you know, he he's a he he he's one of those pastors that know how knows how to make the inner generations of his church feel comfortable, and so they celebrate. Uh, the various generations in different ways, and and Sunday was no different, but happened to be recorded this time. They were playing Frankie Beverly and Maze. I think it was before I let go. I I tried to download the video, and all you could hear was the audio. But you have to see the video, and you simply just go to. Uh, I'm sure you can find it on YouTube uh, or Facebook. Some somebody got it. Um, I, I don't know what it's titled or anything. It just happened to be forwarded, to, you know, shared uh, to me by one of my Facebook friends. They asked my commentary on it, and I was like, I didn't see the problem with it at first. You know, uh, it's good soul music, and there's for a lot of people there is no distinction between the church and you know the world for a lot of people because. To be honest with you, a lot of the church members go to the club on Friday and Saturday and then go to the church on Sunday morning and only expect slight difference in dress and uh, appearance. <laughs> but they still, they still expect the same thing, uh, the same type of uh, party-like atmosphere. They want to have church. They want to feel shout. You know, They want to feel good, just like they do when they go to the club, except they don't want the drinks that go with it. They want the drink of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> anyway, so so there. This video shows them um, playing Frankie Beverly and Maze, and the congregation is dancing, and you know what they're clapping and whatever, and they pan around and you see all the members, some shaking their behinds, and you know like they're at the like they're at the club or the big family reunion, and. Then it goes to the pulpit, and this is where it gets disturbing. The preachers in the pulpit are doing the electric slide on the stage where the pulpit is. They're doing the electric slide. And so the question was, this is ungodly, this is carnal, this is, you know, they and some have condemned them to hell and all in between simply because of this. And uh, I was like, wow. You know, I, I you know, I, I, and it's, 
I, I, I till they panned and and I saw the pulpit doing the electric slide, that did disturb me a little bit. And then I, you know, I, I searched. I talked to some of my friends who are acquainted with, you know, affiliated with the church, and they explained to me the context of the video. This is one of their monthly celebrations. They they do it monthly, uh, probably more than that. But it's, it's you know it's a regular celebration. Uh, it's intergenerate where they play intergenerational music. Uh, so those who are older, they can play music from the forties and fifties. They they play music from the seventies, eighties, and all it. You know, it's an intergenerational event celebrating uh, members, their birthdays, and things of that nature. So, not in common at all. And this was uh, after uh, after the main part of the service. So, all the church business had been done, taken care of. Uh, the question that I have been getting, though, has been this. Uh, what does it say about the preachers who are doing the electric slide? From the pulpit, you know, what does that say about them? That's that's a big question. What is it? Re- how does it reflect on the preachers? And every preacher has a past. Every Christian has a past. Uh, and there are moments that are socially acceptable for preachers to dance, things of that nature. Like, for example, when I went to my uh, sister's wedding last month, I danced. I wasn't ashamed of dancing. But it was easy because I'm around a bunch of Africans, and all I had to do was boot my shoulders and my legs, and I'm dancing. <laughs> Along with the priest who officiated the wedding, he also danced. So it was a festive celebration, and, uh, and we danced. Now, the question is, what's the difference between the holy dance that Pope most people do in church? You know, the holy shout where they bucking and they rucking and doing all that versus the dancing of the electric slide that the people were doing. My my thing is, my thing is this. I'm, I'm the pastor of that church. Uh, the pastor knows his people best. And the pastor has found a way to integrate that into his ministry without offending. And with and I'm sure, I'm quite sure his ministry staff understands the, the you know, the totality of their actions. And if they don't, I'm sure he will put them in, put it in perspective for them, especially now in light of the video being, you know, going viral. Uh, my, 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 I can't condemn it. I, I can't de- condemn it. I can't condemn it because one, it ain't my church. <laughs> but that's the primary reason. It ain't my church. I am not the pastor, and uh, so that's the primary reason right there. Two, uh. The reality is is that most people who come to church on Sunday morning engage in things like that prior to coming to church and post leaving church. So it's like uh, again, excuse me. <coughs> oh boy. <coughs> oh lord, goodness gracious. All right, I'm back on track. So it's not like um it's this great Great sin. <laughs> oh boy. Excuse me. I'm getting allergic to y'all, huh? I'm just kidding. Um, um, it's not like they are going to hell because they played a secular song. I can understand why some are arguing that now there's no difference between the church and the world because, yeah, that is a valid argument. Contextually, it is valid. Uh, however, the reality is that even if they had not done that in the church sanctuary, that's supposed to be sacred space. Think about all the things that we do in the church sanctuary that's supposed to be sacred space that is not dancing. We we you know there are people who gossip in the middle of service. <laughs> you know they're talking about people in service. They're lying in service. There are people who are lusting in service. There are people who are doing all kinds of despicable things in service in the sacred place. And just because it's not on video, it does not go viral, it's not talked about. But the reality is this only this only you know, this isn't anything new. Neither uh is it anything that is 
that, that God don't know about and pastor don't know about. Uh, but either way, I'm not trying to justify it, but I'm just trying to, you know, put it in perspective for those who have been, you know, going off on how ungodly and things of this nature it it was. I'm not going to you that. I'm simply saying that the reality is that there's a, there's a whole lot more ungodly stuff that goes on in the service in that sacred space uh, that people would care to admit to. From the pulpit to the pew, it happens. Now, now this borders on this borders on um, on a lot of I, I don't even know how to say it. Um, you know, it does border on carnality. I guess you can say it does border on that. But at the same time, most of the gospel music that we sing, uh, many of the clothes some of us wear, borders on carnality. So you cannot. There's there's no real justifiable uh, argument that can be uh, placed against it. But you know, to each his own. I I I'm not. I can't say because one time before a sermon, uh, I played James Brown to him. Because it uh it led into my sermon. My sermon was I was a Father's Day sermon, and the sermon you know was Papa don't make no mess. So I found a a, a tune by James Brown, Papa don't take no mess, and <laughs> had it to play cued before I preached the sermon, and it cued, and the folk was thinking, okay, maybe something was wrong. And then I said, nope, nothing wrong. I planned this. I want you to hear this song because it ties with my sermon. And that was probably one of the most well received sermons that I had done by my you know, by the by the people. The old people really my older generation people really appreciated it. They didn't expect it, but they appreciated it. So that's my two cents in there. If you want to talk about that, share a little bit more, uh, let us know. We I, I just want to hear what you think about that. You can uh leave your comments on the Facebook page or uh send me an email or uh send me a personal uh message. Either way. We want to hear about that. Uh, when we come back, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the aftermath of this past week with Andrew Cardwell and his being delivered, as well as hopefully we can squeeze in uh, a little more time about uh, church scam. And I got a, I got a, uh, I have a, have a, uh, the track from, not track, but a quote, a clip from uh, Bishop Blake. Uh, regarding this thing, so we're gonna play that. I'll be right back after these complete after this quick message. Capital One. It's not the limit to cash I earn every month card. It's not the I only earn decent rewards at the gas station card. It's the no games, no signing up, everyday rewarding, kung fu fighting, silver lightning in a bottle, bringing home your bacon cashback card. This is the Quicksilver card from Capital One. Unlimited 1.5% cash back on every purchase, everywhere, every single day. So ask yourself, what's in your wallet? Hey, what are you doing today? I'm backing up the computer. Photos, work files, you name it. Lovely. See you in a few hours. Hmm. 
you get everything backed up? Took care of it. For just $59.99 a year, Carbonite backs up your irreplaceable files automatically so you don't have to. Try it for free at Carbonite.com. You're listening to Zero Today with Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Lorenzo Neal, staying warm in this nice November weather. Listen, friends, before I go back, I want to invite you all who are here and listening. If you are available, I want you to invite I want to invite you to come out to the post planning convocation for the eighth Episcopal District this weekend. It's beginning Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And I'm excited because one of the greatest persons, preachers that I know on the planet will be the speaker. Dr. Jeremiah Wright will be bringing us in the word tomorrow night, Thursday night on November 20th, and it'll be held at Bonner Edwards Institute and uh, Bonner Campbell Institute in Religious Studies and Edwards, Mississippi. So if you are anywhere in the uh, Mississippi area, Louisiana area, anywhere, you coming down from Arkansas, come on down, and I tell you, you're going to be blessed. I'll play the clip about that later on. you get more information. But come out. You'll be blessed. Uh, this segment of the show is brought to you, is being sponsored by <clears throat> Shima's Gourmet Sweets. If you love sweet treats like cakes and pies, then you should check out Shima's Gourmet Sweets. On the Tracer Earl bakes up some of the finest crafts this side of heaven. And I'm telling you, because I've had some, and it's good. I mean, she got some of the best gourmet candy apples that you can imagine. And, yes, I had one. One time, maybe, but I ain't going to tell her. But she does it all. She does the gourmet apples. She does uh, cakes, pies, popcorn balls, anything for any occasion. I'm telling you, you'll enjoy it. So give her a call, 601-940-7897. I guarantee you enjoy it. And that's who is sponsoring this part of the show, Shima's, Sweet, Shima's Gourmet Sweets. All right, as stated before, we're going to talk about the aftermath of this Andrew Caldwell fiasco from the Koji 107th Holy Convocation. Now, if you remember, uh, if you've been following, um, Andrew Caldwell uh, a couple of weeks ago uh, was asked to, you know, give his testimony following a sermon uh, uh, that preached against, railed against homosexuality in the church, the preachers, the, and where the pastor, uh, A.J. A. Carter, called sissies and you know, called out sissies and whatnot. He used very, very, very graphic language. And so what has happened is uh, Mr. Caldwell, 21 years old, authored a number of books, but has now taken the front front, and there was one Memphis pre, uh, one Memphis uh, television and radio personality, and then uh, Thaddeus Mas- Matthews had him on his show, and the fallout began there because Thaddeus uh, went out out of his way to discredit the entire fiasco by making connections with Bishop Brandon Porter, who is out of Memphis, apparently who Thaddeus Matthews has some kind of beef against. Uh, So that was his way of antagonizing Bishop Porter by bringing on this young man and uh, doing all all he could to kind of, you know, put this little man to shame. He even talked to one of the the man's, uh, one of Andrew's relatives. I believe it was his aunt. And the aunt, of course, you could hear you can hear that there really wasn't any type of real relationship uh, because she she did all herself to discredit the young man experience. And, of course, uh, Thaddeus went on to try to discredit it all together, saying that the man was paid. And, yes, he was paid, but it was 
a given. It was a gift. He wasn't paid it before, but uh, once Bishop Porter gave him that hundred dollars, others poured in and gave him money, and uh, it was speculated it could have been as much as forty-eight hundred dollars. That's what Thaddeus Matthews claimed uh, that the young man was paid to do it. But uh, the, anyway, the fallout has been rather embarrassing for the Church of God in Christ. One because uh, I've been the period of Kojic, uh convocation, especially when they were in Memphis. I, I mean, whew, I went, and it was always a time. There was always gay folk there. There was always foolishness and, and tomfoolery going on. But they always had some, you know, had a way of covering it up. Now in this digital age where you can't hide anything, you don't know when you're being filled, everything is open and can be leaked. Bishop Blake, the presiding bishop of the Church of God in Christ, had to issue a formal, well, he didn't have to, but he decided to issue a formal apology, both for the preacher who uh, whose message has gone viral as well, because uh, the, those who were saying that he preached what needed to be said, talking about the, you know, the homosexuals in the church and the pastors who uh, tolerate them because they draw the crowd and all of that. Uh, of course, the terminology that he used, sissy, was quite offensive. But hey, it's not like they hadn't been doing that. That's, that's what the Church of Christ brand is. Hard preaching. Holiness preaching. At least it used to be. Uh, <laughs> but here's the clip of Bishop uh, Charles Blake, who is the presiding bishop of the Church of God in Christ, presenting this apology both to uh, the church audience, the world, whoever was listening, and to Andrew Codwell. So take a listen to this. On Saturday evening, November the 8th, one of our more than 15 speakers used terms and spoke in a way that was offensive and inappropriate. So he alone was responsible for the nature and tone of his remarks. It was on my watch that this took place. Even though I was not present at the service on that night, as presiding bishop of the Church of God in Christ, I apologize for what seemed to be a harsh, uncompassionate, disrespectful spirit on the part of that speaker. I also apologize to Andrew Caldwell, a young seeker for the Lord, who came forth and made statements on that night regarding his change of heart and his purpose in life. His testimony literally went viral, and it has brought upon him criticism and sardonicism. We extend our love, our prayers, and our support to that young man as he seeks to know God and to serve God. We believe that we should reflect the love and compassion of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in all that we do. And we do not in any way compromise our biblical position against same-sex unions or in favor of the biblical teaching on matters of sexual conduct. But at the same time, we respect or we expect that our clergy and laity will be civil and considerate as they speak to men and women regarding issues related to our Christian faith. We love all people. Regardless of their faith. And when we fail to express ourselves with love and humility, we contradict the witness that we would strive to have to the world. The Church of God in Christ wholly condemns acts of violence against and the subjugation of any person to verbal or physical harassment on the basis of their sexual orientation or their sexual stance. Such actions violate entirely the Christian's obligation to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. God will judge us all. If you have a love for God, and if you love God's word, God's word, you are welcome to West Angeles Church, and you're welcome to the church of God in Christ. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 13 says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, 
But this is the whole duty of man. God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. And let the church say amen. All right. That was Bishop Charles Blake, who is the singer bishop, a presiding bishop of the Church of God in Christ. And this is his statement apologizing on behalf of his faith communion for the ardent and very, very harsh sermon that was delivered by Superintendent E.J. E. E. Carter. A.J. Carter, I believe is his name. And the the uh, treatment, or whatever you want to call it, of Andrew Caldwell, the young man. Now, what I appreciate about this is that he did continue, he did state that they stand firm on their beliefs regarding same-sex Marriage and homosexuality. I, I appreciate him for saying that. <coughs> In that sense, he does not need to apologize. And that, you know, I already know that's going to make some people upset because they want to hear. They're probably wanting him to hear hear him say, well, we, you know, because he said everybody is welcome at his church, which is uh, West Angeles Church of God in Christ in Los Angeles, California, as well as in the Church of God in Christ. He said everyone is welcome. But you know, some people want to hear what we loved him say to hear him say, and we love everybody regardless of your orientation. And, and he did say that, uh, <laughs> but they want to say we don't believe. You know, we 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 they want him say, uh, we we approve of same sex marriage and homosexuality. That's what they want to hear him say. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen anytime soon. The Church of God in Christ. Um, Perhaps along with my faith association, my faith communion, uh, the Methodist communion, AME, CME, and um, AME Zion, and of course uh, some of the more uh, conservative uh, National Black Baptist associations, they are hard up against it, and and um. I was looking at a poll recently, and the poll asked the question, should Bishop Blake have apologized? And I said, yes, he should have apologized because, as he said, it was under his watch. Even though he wasn't there, it was under his watch. And the brand of the Church of God in Christ has always been one of holiness. And unfortunately, it has also been one of harsh preaching. You know, I, I went to Church of God in Christ, and, you know, if I didn't hear fire and hell, brimstone messages at the Baptist church I grew up in. I sure heard it there because everybody was going to hell. If you missed Sunday, one Sunday you were backslidden. <laughs> you were backslidden to some folk. So <laughs> I'm laughing, but it's, that's how it really was. It, it really was like that. And, and unfortunately, you know, it's, it's hard to change uh, theologies like that. Those that were Based in that type of thing, that type of teaching, it's very difficult to change the mindset. Now, although the church has gotten very progressive, very liberal regarding some things such as dress, some things such as being able to go to movies and having televisions in your house. I remember back in the day, they wouldn't allow you to watch TV. <laughs> you couldn't have a TV in the house. If you were in school, you wore the skirt every day. And there are some who still are like that. Still stringent, conservative, fundamentally holiness. And I would no makeup, all that stuff. You know. So they've, been, they've gotten progressive in that. Also, they've gotten tolerant of a lot of things. They know that there are a lot of homosexuals in their churches. Because their church environment, like I said earlier, Reflects the club environment, just different, slightly different. They could go to a, a club and feel comfortable and let their hair down and do all that stuff. And now in most churches, a homosexuals feel free to be able to do the same thing. You know, it, it doesn't matter where it's the preacher. 
I was at a funeral the other day, uh, not the other day, uh, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, this person who was blatantly effeminate, this man who was blat I mean blatantly flaunting, just flaunting, every song the choir sang or anybody sang, he was up and, you know, waving his hand and doing all this stuff, and, you know, not only did he have some loud, was he dressed in a loud suit that just stood out? from everybody else, but just the fact that, you know, you could tell by his mannerisms that he had, he was a bit effeminate, but they're, they're starting to feel comfortable in churches, where, you know, 20 years ago, they didn't feel as comfortable, you know, they get convicted, and every week they'd be trying to get de- delivered, uh, <laughs> but now it's not the same, these men and women who are same-sex attractive, they're coming to church with no sense of guilt, no sense of, you know, trying to be delivered from their condition. They they they, they ain't trying to do that. Uh, neither are they, in, in most churches, neither are they trying to lead a revolt to make themselves known, but, you know, it's one of those open secrets. There are some, you know, there's a, a progressive Pentecostal pro, uh, uh, fellowship in Atlanta. That's led by Bishop A.O. something, uh, Smith or Davis, I think that's his name. But uh, it's progressive. And when I say progressive, I mean that they're pro-homosexual. The bishop has a first gentleman. Uh, he makes no qualms about that, yet he hides under the, under the guise of holiness. And that's very contradictory. You can't be a holiness preacher and be a homosexual. That, I mean, that's just the way it is. But anyway... Uh, we'll be continuing to pray for uh, Bishop Blake and the leadership of the Church of God in Christ, and of course for Andrew Caldwell, and we'll keep following up as, because there's a lot more undergirding this whole fiasco. So, going to take a quick break. we got the last 20 minutes or so to discuss church shams and whatnot. So, we'll be back right after this. And stay tuned. <laughs> identity theft on more than one occasion and I gotta tell you it's never been a pleasant experience trying to clean up the mess afterwards that's why I decided to find a safe and secure way of protecting my identity and my good name through LifeLock LifeLock is more than just a credit monitoring service it provides full identity protection and monitoring and scanning for any threats to your identity so it can also quickly respond to it now here's the other good thing I really love about LifeLock is that it offers a guarantee of up to $1 million should you ever become a victim of identity death while using LifeLock. LifeLock is not an expensive thing. Plans start as low as $10 a month. I, I tell you, you ought to go there and check them out. Visit their website, www.lifelock.com, or call 1-800-607-7205 and enroll today, and I guarantee you will start to feel safer the minute you get it. LifeLock, you'll love it. Bishop Julius McAllister Sr. and Mother Joan McAllister invite you to attend post-conference Holy Convocation and planning meeting for the 8th Episcopal District of the African Methodist Episcopal Church on November 20th through the 22nd, 2014 at the Bonner Campbell Religious Institute Campus in Edwards, Mississippi. Come hear a powerful word from guest speaker Dr. Jeremiah Wright Sr., anointed singing from the post-convocation choir, and much, much more. Come ready to be blessed. You don't want to miss this. It's the post-conference convocation and planning meeting. Be there and be blessed. Friends, there's nothing as soothing as having a sweet aroma penetrate all of your senses. Peacock, the newest candle fragrance by Heatcentric, is that aroma. Peacock is a vegan hand-poured candle that fills the room with a soothing aroma that everyone is guaranteed to enjoy. 
Peacock by Hecentric is the fragrance developed by Lady Jocelyn Sanders that's designed to reflect the glory in everyday life. I guarantee you are not disappointed when you order your candle today from Hecentric. I have one at home and in my office, and I tell you, it's so good. It helps me relax at home, and it helps me concentrate and stay on task in the office. You need to order yours today by visiting LadySanders.com, and while they also pick up a copy of her book, The Encounter, I'm telling you, you will love both. Peacock by Hecentric, reflecting the glory in everyday life. Jackson State University is not just another university. It's a community. It's a family. And that's not all. Jackson State University is a national leader in biomedical research and development. With world-class science, math, engineering, and technology departments. At Jackson State University, we're leading the way in technology and innovation. One Jackson State University, changing lives one student at a time. Welcome back to Zero Today. I'm your humble host, Pastor Lorenzo Neal. Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate all that you've done. I was just looking at the stacks, and I'm telling you guys, you make me feel special. Not the short bus kind of special either. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, I appreciate the support that you are, uh, are sharing, are helping us, to, the success you're helping us to have. We're we're growing. I mean, we're averaging about six to seven hundred listeners every week. Now that may seem like a small number, but it's a lot to me. So I just want to say appreciate. I appreciate you um, so so much for all the support that you do. And if you want to help, I mean, if you want to support, I appreciate it. Simply email me, Pastor Lorenzo Neal at gmail dot com. Uh, go to the website Lorenzo T Neal dot com, and you can see how you can support. Uh, both what I do in ministry and here in the radio show. Uh, I never ask for any funds, but if you uh, would like to donate, you think this is a wonderful thing that we're doing, we accept your donations. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> well, thank and praise God for you. Anyway, so this last segment, we're going to be talking about the folly for funds, how some pastors and con artists scam people. And, you know, I never would have guessed when I started in ministry a long time ago that preachers could be scam artists. Never would have guessed it. I never would have guessed when I saw preachers on television that a lot of them was mostly nothing more than a sham. Money, that's what they did. That's what they needed. And that's what they got. And you hear about preachers like Robert Tilton, uh, Jimmy Baker, uh, who has the other one? Uh, or Roberts, who was a master fundraiser. Kenneth Copeland, who is a master fundraiser. Marilyn Hickey, Benny Hinn, uh, and so many, many, many more. Those are the big names. Let's not even get to the small names, you know, the small-time pimps and wannabe pimps in the preaching game. So I came across a video that really disturbed me, and... Uh, I was just trying to do a commercial break. I was trying to play. I got the sound bite from it, but it's just not playing. But here is a video of Michael Chitwood. And Michael Chitwood is, I, I don't know how to describe him. He's a preacher. Uh, he's a fundraiser. Uh, I don't know what to call him, but Michael Chitwood has a seminar that he does and apparently he is he is renowned for this the seminar that he does called is called raising an offering and it's designed to assure that the ministry receives the funding it needs to pay staff building expenses extra money and it's you know for whatever else now that that doesn't sound bad because we all as pastors we understand that the church is is as is 
it's a nonprofit entity, but at the same time it's a business entity because we have expenses, things of that nature. We have to put budgets together and all of that. And the donations from the, the members are what keeps uh the ministry afloat. But what 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 gets me about this guy, I I, I watched this video and what disturbing is is he's teaching these pastors in this video how to con their members and make profit from, or, or, you know, increase the greater profit of their offering. I'm I'm kind of iffy in this because you know I've been to churches where they'll have two or three offerings and they they you know especially I no 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 offense to coaching churches and. My Kenneth Pentecostal brothers and sisters, but I've been in churches, particularly those affiliations where uh, there'll be a prophet said there are five people in the building right now that have a thousand dollar seed. You need to stand up and come forward. And then when nobody goes, you know, nobody comes forward, he keeps putting the pressure on. You need to come forward. You're convicted. You're getting convicted. And next thing you know, folks start coming up and they writing checks that usually end up bouncing. <laughs> uh, or now, see the AMEs. We we do it a little different. We already know that any meeting we go to, we got a hundred dollar offering ready. <laughs> There's a hundred dollars for opening service and a hundred dollars for the closing service, and anything in between, you better be ready for at least twenty. <laughs> so I don't know which is the biggest pimp, the AME church or the Coventry church. Either way, all of us get the money. You know, all of them get the money. But uh. You create a uh, when you use manipulation. I think it does boy harm. Well, I know ain't no thing I know. For example, when when preachers use the tithe as a scam, as a con, uh, that that's very damaging. That's very it's disrespectful to God for one, but it's very very damaging. Um, because is saying that God don't know what he's doing, and we got to help God to help us. That's not the case. It never was. God, and secondly, the tithe is a, you know, it's an Old Testament, Old Covenant thing. In the New Testament, it's not mentioned, not necessary. Uh, so, yeah, it's a scam in that sense because, you know, you're forcing people to do something that God has not commanded them to do. Yeah, and I said that. I'm going to leave that alone because there's a whole different stuff. Now, there's nothing wrong with giving a tithe. If you want to give a tenth, fine. That's, 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 there's nothing nothing wrong with that. Uh, the Lord does increase. I know from experience when you do so. Uh, but just giving is is enough. It's sufficient. But there's a case of a Houston pastor who wouldn't bury a member who was 93 years old, who had been a member of the church for 50 years, and... He wouldn't bury her because she wasn't a tither. That's ridiculous. And there are other scams. You know, there's one bishop, T.B. Joshua, T.B. Joshua of Nigeria, and he's made recent headlines because uh, part of his church complex failed, and I think over 200 people were killed. And some of his, uh, he made some statements following that that. They probably were killed because they weren't tithers, they weren't givers, or something to that nature. They weren't under divine protection. Uh, something to that nature is, is what he has has been uh, rumored to have said. I have not read, you know, him saying it, but I, anyway. So, but he had uh, <laughs> he before this event happened, you know, as the Ebola breakout was occurring in the three countries uh, on the western coast of Africa, Sierra Leone, Guinea. And um, where else was it? Uh, anyway, Liberia. Uh, T.B. Joshua sent 5,000, is allegedly sent about 5,000 bottles of anointed oil and water that he prayed over and said that if the people would just use this product, they'd be healed. And, of course, you know, he got money from it, too. But those are kind of shams. But how how will you know if you're being shammed? How do you know if you if it's a con? How do you know? That's the question I want to ask. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm purporting because you know 
the average church exists, um, you know, it collects funds, it collects money. In the average church, those funds stay there at the local, you know. If it's a congregational church, they don't have any assessments or anything. They got the building fund. And I've been at churches where they had a building fund for 25 years. Building fund, people giving to the building fund and no building go up. And then I've had, I've seen in cases, uh, one particular case in Washington, D.C., where a church uh, raised money for the building fund, started the building, and couldn't finish it. And they were meeting in another location, and it's a million-dollar complex. And that's a scam. Uh, it wasn't, probably wasn't intended, but it ended up being like that. And what about the preacher? And this is what probably is the most disheartening. The preacher who makes promises uh, such as healings, such as deliverance for faith offerings of such you know specific amounts. Give this money, and you're guaranteed to be healed. There's a case in um, that just came up about Juanita Bynum. There's a woman who went in on an attack against Juanita Bynum because she sold a seed uh, to Juanita Bynum. Uh, her mother sold a seed to Juanita Bynum that was supposed to lead to her healing, and the woman died, and the, the daughter is frustrated and went on the attack because uh, it didn't pan out like she said. And one, according to uh, the report, Juanita Bynum simply ignored it, you know, whatever. But this happened more frequently in the smaller churches than it does in the larger churches. Why do I say that? Because the smaller churches feel they have to compete with the larger ministries. They got to keep the sham going. They got to keep the con going. They got to keep something before the people. And, 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 you know, I'm not talking about constructive projects. You know, some building funds are constructive project, projects. For example, when our church had to pay out, we had a mortgage. And I was like, look, we need to we need to focus on paying off this mortgage so we can, need, we can use the extra income uh that we can use what we've once we paid it off we can use it to something else for something else productive we need some work done on the church this is one way that we could get that done and you know the lord blessed we made we got the obligation to take care of we paid off the mortgage and we had those free funds to take care of some other things that the church that need to be done at the church the free funds didn't go to me it didn't, you know, the free money didn't go to me. Now that we got the, you know, we had the extra uh, few thousands, I could give me a raise. <laughs> no. Uh, no, we, we, you know, there's some other things that the church needs to do. And plus, we know statistically, uh, and research has proven, that people give when they see that projects are being done and completed. They're more likely. This is what charities do all the time. That's why people are more likely to give to the Salvation Army, to St. Jude, and to these other uh, charitable organizations because they see results. They see, you know, tangible evidence that the monies that they are giving is not just being used uh, to to uh, fund ex- extravagant lifestyles. However, it's not the case like that in the church. In the church you find that a lot of the funds that are being raised, especially in the smaller churches, uh, a lot of them in the smaller churches are going to the pastor. And nine times out of ten, the pastor is the only one really benefiting from it. I know plenty of ministries, and I know plenty of ministries where the pastor does not take a salary, in small churches, where the pastor doesn't take a salary. The pastor uh, most times gives more. And I was like this when I was pastoring smaller churches, and my income, you know, um, where the church, the income from the church was just, you know, basically to help uh, as just supplemental, you know, where I was giving more than I was getting in the check from the church. And there are some preachers now, like uh, Rick Warren, T.D. Jakes, and several several others who no longer record take salaries from their church because their income have surpassed that which the church be able to, to pay. Uh, you know, their incomes have surpassed that, so they don't take any type of um, monies from the church. There are, however, plenty who got to keep a con going. They always got this 
uh, no offense, but like for example, Rod Parsley used to do. I don't know if he still does, but at one time he did the resurrection offering, and I remember watching one of his programs, and he talked about how people were getting a second job just so they could give on his resurrection offering, and that's probably that that kind of ticked me off because I was like, why in the world would you get a second job? so that you can give an offering that you're not going to get uh, any benefit from, direct benefit. Now, if you're giving to God, you know, I got to give it to a particular church. And, and I, you know, I make no qualms about this. As a pastor, my source comes from God. My salary comes from the church. But the church doesn't inco- uh, does not determine my increase. The church does not determine my income. The Lord is the one who does that. I live by faith because as a as a full-time pastor, I rely on God. I I have to trust God to supply my needs. And if he does it by way of the salary that I get from the church, that's wonderful because that means that he's providing to the people who are providing for me. <laughs> and that's part that's part of the interpretation that Malachi puts forth when he says there may be meat in the house because the meat that went to the temple was for the Levites. That's what they ate off. They ate off the sacrifices brought for the people. They lived off of it. That was it. They couldn't participate in anything outside of the temple. That was the the Levitical work was that was them and that's what people understood. I'm part of that in in a sense as a pastor. But I've learned that I don't have to keep a scam to going. I don't, uh, you know, there's some people who, you know, it's harvest time and they're going to use harvest offering, you know, give sacrificially for the harvest offering and get a reward back. That's a scam. You're not going to get a reward back because if God is as sovereign as we say he is, he is the one who determines when your return will be if he gives it to you. All he requires is that you give don't give grudgingly, don't give out of necessity, don't give beratingly, give cheerfully. That's who he loves, and he's a liberal giver, and he's able, according to Second Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9, he is the one who provides that. God invites us to cast our seed to the, uh, to the water, cast it on the water, and it will return back to us many days. He's the one who gives the return. He guarantees that. The preacher doesn't have the authority to say if you give it today, you're going to get it back tomorrow. But that's become the norm. That's a scam. How do you prepare yourself? How do you pre- be proactive against this? First of all, you learn what Scripture says about stewardship, about giving. Don't listen to the preacher all the time. I, I, I'm including myself in this because we know how to get what we want when we want to. We know how to manipulate folks. That's part of the job. You want to you wanna pry the people's heart to make them feel vulnerable acceptable, especially guilty. If you can do that, you're running a good con. You want them to feel like they are doing enough. And now, let me put this in perspective. If somebody really is not doing it enough, if they're not tithing, and they could be tithing, then yes, your responsibility as a pastor to say, look, you could be tithing. You could be giving more. You could be doing this. You're able to do that. This is your responsibility. But you don't put a con on them to, you know, try to make them do it. Don't try to bemean them, demean them, or anything. Simply be, you know, just let the people know that we have, and you supporting the need helps us do the ministry we have. All of that. Listen, I've run out of time. <laughs> I wish I had more time, but I don't. I again invite you to come out to the planning meeting at uh, in Edwards, Mississippi. And I'm wishing all of you to have such a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving. Enjoy. Don't eat too much. I wish I could say I won't, but, hey, I don't know. I always hey. Anyway, enjoy yourself. Enjoy your family. Don't be spending money on Thanksgiving. Give God some, you know, spend time with family and do all of that. But, you know, don't waste your money shopping. Wait till Friday. <laughs> be be a good steward of what God has given you. And I guarantee you'll be... You want to experience the stress of having to fight all those problems. But anyway, this is Pastor Lorenzo Neal. I'm glad that you shared time with us. Remember, you can catch the broadcast, uh, archive broadcast anyway. You can get it on iPod, iTunes, whatever. We invite you to do that. Uh, 
And I just thank you until we won't be on the air next week, but we'll be coming back live as always with another show. So we appreciate that. This is Pastor Renzo Neal, and I'm out. God bless you.